Hey friends, welcome to the Family House Message of the Week podcast. This is Pastor Jason, lead pastor at Family House Fellowship in Cedar Park, Texas. At Family House, we are a family of faith growing towards wholeness in Jesus Christ, heart, mind, and strength, and helping others towards that same wholeness, impacting not only this generation, but future generations. We would love for you to check out more about us on our website. It's familyhousecp.org. Also, you can follow us on social media in all the places, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at FamilyHouseCP. And also, if you wouldn't mind, the best way to continue to see these podcast episodes when they drop is to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you love to get your podcasts. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, rate and leave a review. It helps other people find this Message of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Thank you, Jason. Thank you guys so much for having me here. I have been praying for this church before it was a church. Um, I have joined you guys in praying since the beginning, and y'all have a very anointed leader, a very anointed family that's leading this church. Um, So it's really, really an honor for me to be here and able to see it in person for the first time. So can we go ahead? I want to start by just putting up the slide um, that talks about what grace is because you would think as a pastor, this is something I would have already learned and preferably mastered at 40 years old. But um, this fast that I've been doing with you guys um, has kind of turned my world upside down. And uh, the one big takeaway that I have from it is this. Grace is unearned favor. favor. Grace is unearned favor. It's unmerited. It is undeserved And I just want to leave this up while I tell the beginning of this story. So I believe that God brought me here today on the 40th day of my fast with Family House, specifically to share with you guys what he has taught me. And what he taught me during this fast is not what I was asking for. It's not what I was fasting for. But I realize now that the lesson that he has been walking me through is much more valuable than what I was asking for in the beginning of the fast. Because grace is unearned, naturally, we cannot earn it. The problem I have with this is that I like to earn things. I do, it started as a child in school. I like to earn straight A's, tell my parents, National Honor Society, I wanna go to college and graduate a year early and graduate with honors. And I just, I like to earn things, I like to earn hats on the back and this is shameful to admit especially as a pastor but I realized through all this I've just been desiring approval my whole life and I honestly think that I'm here on the 40th day of my fast to share with you (laughs) how to not be like me um, but how to walk in what I've been learning so if you are here I believe or if you're watching online I believe this is an important word for you Um, God has confirmed to me three times today that this is what I'm supposed to be sharing. Um, So before I start, I just want to pray with you guys. Um, Father God, I just pray that you, um, pray that you anoint me, God. I invite your Holy Spirit just to speak freely through me. Take this conversation, God, wherever you want to take it. I pray for open hearts and open ears. And God, I just pray for grace just to fall on every person 
that hears this message, God. Let us just be overwhelmed by your grace, knowing that it is free and that we don't have to earn it and that you so freely give it and it is your joy to give it. God, thank you for not giving me what I asked for in this fast. Thank you instead for giving me this life-changing lesson. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. You're so clearly here. Thank you for Family House Fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So I want to take you guys to Ephesians 2, if you have your Bibles with you or your, your Bible app. As I was reading kind of the context for Ephesians, I realized that Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus because they were having a bit of an identity crisis. They were a new church. There were some false doctrines creeping their way in, but Paul wanted them to see their identity in Christ. He wanted to encourage them. The whole book is a book of encouragement. He wanted people to know who they are and how they became that way. And as a spoiler, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with them. It has everything to do with Jesus. So Ephesians 2. Oh, this verse I have had memorized my entire life, but it hit me like a ton of bricks this, this past week. For grace, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And I want to stop there because just in that phrase, there's two responsibilities. There's God's responsibility and there's my responsibility. By grace, God has saved me. And the part that I have to own is through faith. God saves, and I believe in his promises. Those are the two responsibilities, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And then we continue, and this is not from yourselves. Whew, that's the part. That's the part that got me. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay, so... I realized when I read this verse as a child, I understood that I was not saved by works. I got that I was saved by grace, by God's grace, but I feel like that's as far as grace went for me. It stopped right at salvation. It's like, so now I have salvation, so now I'm going to try to, I'm going to do everything I can to try to earn God's approval, to try to earn God's favor. And like we looked at the beginning, grace is unearned favor. So y'all are going to see the way my mind works. I'm telling you grace is unearned, and I've spent the last 40, of my, 40 years of my life trying to earn something that is unearnable. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so no one can boast. You know, I really asked myself when I was reading this, why have I been striving for grace? Why have I been striving for something that I already have. And it's funny because I, wa I want God's favor. Who wants God's favor? Who wants God's favor? Hey, spoiler, you've already got it. You don't have to go and get it. You have already got it. How incredible is that? I mean, think about it. The creator of the universe who spoke everything into existence looks at you and says, you have my favor. Not because of anything you've done, but because everything he has done. God, we, we got to get this message. We have got to get this because we are striving. We are living in a culture that follows the gospel of self-sufficiency. That gospel is nonsense, and it will wear you out. 
I want everybody to be able to, who follows Christ, to be able to walk in this truth. This is a freeing truth. So when you look at Abraham in the Old Testament, Abraham had incredible faith, right? Therefore, he had God's favor. He had God's favor because he had faith. My striving and trying to do is a result of a lack of faith. And I'm, I'm ashamed to admit that. I was doing because I was not trusting. I was doing because I was not believing the promises of God's word. And I was trying to earn favor by doing the thing that's the opposite of how God gives you favor. God honors faith. Not your doing, not your striving. And I realized that grace is a hard concept for humans to understand. Grace is really, really hard because in our culture, if something is free, it's not worth anything. It's a happy meal toy. It's, it's something that you get and you're like, oh yeah, it's cool, I'm really glad I have this thing for free, but when the kids aren't looking, I'm putting it in the bottom of the trash can because it's worthless, right? Free is worthless, but not in God's kingdom. This thing that's free, this grace, this life-changing, life-saving grace is the most valuable thing God has possibly, possibly given to us. And as Americans, we're like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm independent. I'm gonna do this myself. I'm a self-starter, self-motivated, self-reliant, self-sufficient, self, self, self. And grace has nothing to do with self. Thank God I finally learned that. Um, it's, it's a hard lesson to learn. But I don't want us to downplay grace because it's free. Do not downplay grace because it's free. Because when you lean on self-sufficiency, you're saying that Jesus' sacrifice is less than sufficient. I don't want to be the one that tells Jesus that his sacrifice is less than sufficient. So my words, my words were saying, Jesus is enough. But my actions, I was trying to prove that I was enough. Jesus is enough, so we don't have to prove that we're enough. Like Jason's saying a minute ago, because he's enough, I am enough in him. And that is the opposite of self-sufficiency. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. That's what I'm talking about. If I could gain righteousness on my own, then Christ died for nothing. And that's, I feel like that's the way that we live, especially as Christians. Like, man, I want to be pleasing. I want to serve and I want to do. And God has called me to do those things. God has called me to serve. But he has not called me to serve so that I can gain grace. He has called me to serve because I have grace. He is not asking me to earn this. He's asking me to operate through it. He's asking me to be a conduit of his love not work my way through it so that you can approve of me and you can approve of me. Ultimately, I was asking God to approve of me, but he already does. He already does. We don't have to add anything to grace. It's not Jesus plus fill in the blank. It's not Jesus plus me and my performance. It's just Jesus, and that's enough. So I want to encourage everybody let go of your own self-righteousness and put on the robe of Christ's righteousness. The Bible says that we are clothed in his robes of righteousness. Again, 
not because of anything we've done, but because of what he has done. When we stand before God, he's not going to ask, how self-righteous were you? He's going to look at his followers, and he's going to see us covered in the blood of Christ, which therefore is our righteousness. And we don't have to do anything. It's free. I mean, like, don't go out there and be a terrible person, right? Like, don't just, woohoo, I'm free, I can sin. But we are, we are covered in Christ's blood, therefore we are righteousness. And that's what we need to be operating out of, operating out of the righteousness that Jesus purchased for us. So the ugly side of the way that I was living was that when I was performing and people were pleased with me and I felt like I was checking all these boxes that I had created for myself, life was good. But this season, life has not been good. And that foundation that I had built my self-identity on, that foundation of just being good and being pleasing, man, that, that withers away really fast. It does not withstand the storm. The storm that I have been walking through, my identity cannot be based on my performance. My identity has to be what this book says that it is. And inadvertently, I was rejecting what this says about me, and I was focusing so much on what this thinks about me. Paul talks all the time where he's like, I don't care what you think, but he goes a step further. He says, I don't even care what I think, because it's not about what you think, it's not about what I think, it's about what God thinks. We have to reject this, just this self-idea, and I felt like I was putting all of my marbles in that basket and it led to an identity crisis. And Jason would text me at the worst times, actually the perfect times, he would text me, I would be at my lowest, and he would say, hey, how are you doing? And I'd be like, hmm, not good. I think I, I used some words that I'm not gonna use in church to t explain to you how I was feeling. I would not been doing well because guess what? My performance has not been good. I have not been meeting expectations. I have not been meeting the bar. The things that my mouth has said and the things that I've done and the things that I've thought, I felt so guilty and shameful about who I am, especially being a pastor. So I'm like, I don't meet the mark, you guys. I just don't. But that's when I realized I was putting my identity on myself, how well I was doing, not what God said about me. And when you are covered with shame because you have failed to meet the mark, I found myself starting to behave a lot like Adam and Eve. Like, oh, I messed up. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to hide from God. I'm ashamed. Not going to approach God. I'm going to hide from him. First of all, you can't hide from God. It's not possible. And he was waiting for me just to come back to him and be like, okay, God, I, I'm going to give this to you. I'm going to give this, this shame that I feel, I'm going to give this to you. This guilt that I feel, I'm going to give it to you. When you keep your head down and you hide from them, you're not doing what Hebrews 4, 7, 4, 15 says. I want to put this on the screen. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And this is the key. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence 
so that we can just receive his mercy and we can find grace to help us in our time of need. This dismantles the gospel of self-sufficiency. Grace is the rejection of self-sufficiency and it is the relinquishing of power. Does anybody else have a hard time relinquishing power? Was that just me? I love to control. I can do all things through Lauren who gives me strength. That is how I have been living my life. And again, as I was writing this sermon, I have audibly responded to it. I was just like, ugh, because what I'm thinking is gross. It's not what the Bible says. And I'm a student of the Bible. And I figured out grace, we sing a lot about grace being amazing. Grace is not just amazing. Grace is outlandish, if you think about it. It is truly outlandish because we cannot meet God's standards. So Jesus did, and now we're covered in his righteousness. He paid for the gift. All we have to do is receive it. And I think about the way my actions might have looked to Jesus as I've been striving. You know, it was my mom's birthday last weekend, and I wanted her to feel special, and I love her. So I sacrificed some of my monthly budget. I got her something I knew she would love. And she received it, and she said, thank you. But what if she had said, how much did this cost? Okay, I'm going to write you a check, or here's some cash. I'm not going to let you pay for this. Um, I'm going to earn it. I'm going to cover the cost of it. I would feel livid because I'd be like, Mom, I want to give you a gift. If she wouldn't let me give her this gift and she wanted to pay for it herself, it's not a gift. Guys, that's what I've been doing to Jesus. I've been saying, you paid for this, but no, no, no. I'm going to earn it. I'm going to earn it. And Jesus is like, I, I gave my life for this. I spilled my blood for this. And you're going to try to earn it? Like, who am I? Who am I to earn that? So I wanted to ask you guys, I was like, are you worn out? Are you tired of performing? Are you tired of comparing? Tired of meeting standards? Trying to live up to what the world says you have to be? When you find yourself in that mindset, I want you to remember what's God's job and what's yours. From Ephesians 2, it is by grace you have been saved. It's God's job to save. Your job is just those two words, through faith. Meaning you believe in the promises of his word, plus nothing else. That's it. You believe in the promise of his word. And then through that, when you're filled with God's love, you will naturally have works. You will naturally have fruit because you are operating out of an overflow, out of an abundance of God's love. And you won't feel tired because you're not operating on your own strength. You're operating on the source of strength that cannot run out. And this is where I was getting it wrong. And I feel like on the surface, it may have looked like I was checking the boxes. But the posture of my heart was not healthy. So going into this fast, I was not believing I was doing. The fast was one more thing that I was doing. I approached it with a very quid pro quo attitude. I was like, all right, God, I'm going to do this thing that's going to make you really happy, and then you're going to pour out your favor on me by doing exactly what I want you to do because I know best. So that's the deal that I made. So every time Jason would reach out to me, I'd be like, this is awful. God is not doing what I wanted him to do through the fast. 
And even worse, you guys, he was silent. He was close, like I could feel his presence. He was very sweet, but I felt like he was just sitting there smiling, saying, bless your heart. He did not abandon me, but he was not talking to me during that time until I hit a point where I was like, fine, I give up. I quit the fast. Didn't, I'm half of it. Quit half of the fast. I'm still doing half of it now. But I was just like, I give up. Like, this isn't working. Other people were telling me it wasn't working. So I was like, fine, I'm going to quit. And the day that I quit, I heard from God. And I was wondering, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you just speak to me while I'm fasting? And it's because he said, so, so that you could not boast about your works. So now I'm going to talk to you because it has nothing to do with what you're doing and how you're performing. And I was just like, ugh, how did I get this so wrong? Like, God saves, I believe. The enemy was turning up the heat on all sides. If y'all struggle through with this fast, mm, if you're doing it, God bless you. He, the enemy attacked everything. He attacked my marriage. He attacked my health. He attacked my finances. My mental health, it was probably an all-time low. I remember calling my friends being like, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't, I don't know what the purpose of my life is. I don't know why I'm a pastor. Um, and I'm going to tell you guys right now, that's when the enemy, when you're low like that and your identity is not based in Christ, that's when the enemy swoops in and he starts feeding you a bunch of lies that go against what this book says about you. He was telling me, you're not fit to be a pastor. You're not fit to raise Christian children. You shouldn't work at a church. Your friends don't know who you are. He said I was manipulative and deceitful and selfish. And the enemy actually told me in church on Sunday, you don't love anybody but yourself. And with my, in my shame, with my head down, I was like, oh, you're right. You're right. I'm just the worst. I'm the worst. The enemy capitalizes on those moments when your identity is misplaced. And I'm going to tell you, do not let him do that. You hear those lies, you reject them. I've started saying no out loud like a crazy person. Wherever I am, when it sneaks in, I'm like, no. No, because I know what this says about me. So we're going to believe truth. We're going to believe lies. We're going to try to earn something that's already been given to us. It's so simple. I, I can't believe that I missed it. The posture of my heart changed when I stopped striving for grace and I started striving in grace. When I relinquished control and I started trusting what this word says. So two things I want to challenge you guys to do. Number one, Believe what God's word says about who he is. God's word says that he is loving, that he is compassionate, merciful, graceful, forgiving, healer, redeemer, provider, savior. That's who God is. That's not who I am. That's who God is. So remember what the word says about who God is. And the second part, and this was the hardest one for me to get. Believe what God's word says about you. I want you guys, just for a moment, to close your eyes. Listen to this list of words I'm going to read off. 
They are all from Scripture. I pulled all of these from the Bible. And this is what God says about you. And I want you to pay attention to the one that really resonates with you. The Bible says that you are a child of God. You are an heir. You are justified. You are redeemed. You are free from sin. You are accepted. You are righteous. You are chosen. You are holy and you are blameless. You are sealed and you are a citizen of heaven already. You are all of those things. And if for a second you don't believe those, realize that by not believing that, you are rejecting this. If we are saying that this is the truth, do not reject the truth. That is your identity. That is what I want you to walk out of here believing. Do not strive for grace. Strive in grace. Because God is not interested in your ability. God is interested in your availability. He doesn't want your results and your success. He wants your obedience. And that's so badly, that's, that's what I want to give him. So the minute that you start to feel worn out, ask yourself why. Whose strength am I operating on? And what am I trying to earn? I was trying to earn something that's already been given to me. And I was exhausting myself. I wasn't being fake, but I was performing. I was doing it out of the, because, out of the goodness of my heart because I want God's love. Guess what, guys? You already got it. You're loved, like we sang, more than you can imagine. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. The Savior of the world has chosen us. So all this other stuff that we're trying to do, if you're doing it out of your own strength, all those things are just distractions. Those are just energy drainers. Fuel your mind and your heart and your soul with the word of God and find out what it really says about who you are and who he is and you do not let the enemy come in and tell you any differently. Do not reject the truth of what this says. This is where your identity is and good news, your identity is incredible. You don't have to be down on yourself because who this says I am, holy, I'm chosen, I'm already approved, I'm worthy of the savior of the world's death doesn't get better than that that's it so I would like for us to just close our eyes and if you're like me and you're a performer first of all just tell God you're sorry because <laughs> that's not what you that's not what you ask of me and God I repent and part of repenting means turning and going a different direction I don't want to be that person anymore you say that I'm new and your mercies are new and you have grace for me, God. Help me to operate in my real identity. Like Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, it was an identity. Your identity is in Christ. Help us wherever we go to function out of that identity. To be a conduit of your love, 
and to be able to share that love with other people and to reject this false gospel of self-reliance. God, we admit that's no good. We admit that you are the answer. You are the way. And we declare with our mouths that Jesus is enough. Jesus, you are enough. Thank you that you are enough and it's not dependent on us. Oh, praise Jesus for that. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the love that you lavish on us. We pray these things in Jesus' name.